with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All right, we just started right now. So check this out. Tonight, I have a... I'm going to tell you that story. Yeah, man, for sure. So tonight, I have a good friend, uh, Phil Evans. He's in from Australia. Um, He basically... um, I met him years ago uh, when I was down there touring, and we did a lot of ministry down there, and we went back for a second time. But before we get into all those details, he is a personal friend of mine, friend of the family, me and my wife. We love you. We love your wife. We love your kids. So this is um this is this appointment on the air is definitely overdue. Yeah, man, for sure. No, I appreciate it, bro. It's good <laughs> so, to be. Here. So thanks for uh, for being here. So really quick before we get into your your story and all the amazing things that God's doing with you and uh, in Australia, um, I was just recently in Hawaii at a pastors leaders conference, and I was sitting back at the booth because we're we're, we're planning on taking the whosoever's movement to Hawaii right now. And I was sitting there, and this guy comes up to me, this American guy, and he says, hey, because uh, I, I was with my other friend from Australia, um, Stephen Fisher from Calvary Chapel, Albany, which is on the whole yep. other side yep. uh, of far, Australia. Far very far away. Very, <laughs> that's actually the furthest point from Los Angeles uh, that you yeah. can get. It's the most isolated city in the world, Perth. Is it? Yeah. It's, cra- yeah, it's way out there. So anyway, I was sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, this is my friend from Australia. He's from Albany. And he goes, you know what's funny? He's like, I was going to plant a church down there in Sydney, and I was in Hawkesbury. Yeah, man. And I'm like, I know that name. And he yeah. goes, I was down there, and I met this other guy down there, and we, he was real cool. And I go, is his name Phil Evans? So he told me that he met you. He goes, in yeah. the middle of, of Sydney, I see the Whosoever stickers. So yeah, you remember yeah. meeting that guy? Yeah, I've, probably Rob. Was yeah. his name Rob? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Probably Rob. Yeah, he planted a church nearby. Yeah, but he's not there yeah. anymore. Nah, he's back in Hawaii. Yeah, you were. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. to Hawaii. Dude, that is so crazy. Yeah, Such crazy, a small man. world. Because that was pretty much one of the only places we toured when we were in Sydney was in that, in that area, working with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Western Sydney, Northwest Sydney. Yeah. 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 That is so funny, That's dude. a small world, bro. Okay, so t- tell me this. How so? You right now? You're a pastor. Yeah, man. You're, you're the senior pastor of a church, which is amazing. Yeah. Are you gonna try and say the name of my church? No, you no. say it. You try. You have a go. Hawksbury. Yeah, you got Hawksbury. Okay, Hawksbury yeah. Valley Baptist Church. But Hawksbury Baptist Church. But before you became a senior pastor, and you're you're young. How old are you? Uh, thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yeah, okay, you're you're. That's a young senior pastor. Yeah. Um, with that, you know, doing that ministry and um, other amazing things. But how would you even get involved with being a senior pastor? Because you're obviously covered in tattoos. I know you have a, a roots to punk rock and all this stuff. Yeah. How did it all even begin? How did you even get become a Christian? Yeah, no worries, man. Um, so I grew up. Uh, my mom is a beautiful woman. Uh, I believe she she always had a faith and, and loved Jesus. But being vulnerable, um, so my my dad left when my mom was pregnant with me. Um, and, uh, when I was young, I, I didn't know him, uh, and my mum was vulnerable and, uh, and that meant that the bad dudes took advantage of her. And right. so I think, you know, I think every decision my mum ever made was, was for myself and my sister to have a better life and, and better opportunities. But unfortunately there was, uh, many times where these 
these situations would become quite quite abusive and, and messed up. And so, so you grew up without a father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Single mom. Yeah, and she's trying to do the best life for you, but yeah, the, all these guys come in and take advantage. Yeah, that's right. And guys that you meet in church. So uh, my uncle. Uh, who has since passed away was a pastor of a church, and you know different people, and, and we'd go to different churches, and but I just find a lot of people would uh, be proclaiming Jesus, you know, on a Sunday, and then Using uh, the God card, yeah, yeah, and then doing all sorts of other stuff during the week, and uh, and causing causing serious problems in my family, hurting myself, my sister, and uh, so by the time I was a teenager, I was pretty much, you know, I was pretty much done with. Uh, definitely done with Christians, yeah, uh, and and for the most part, church. Uh, I had a uh, always believe I had a sense of who God was, and uh, I remember there was many times in different situations where I'd cry out to Jesus because um, it was all I knew, uh, and I, I genuinely believe I felt his his presence and uh, and his love. But uh, but I was doing my own thing, you know. Because you know, I, I do want to like talk about this a little bit because this yeah. is pretty common where you have people that come to uh, the kids. Yeah, people that come to church, they drop their kids off in this in the you know to get discipled or go to church. Yeah. But then the kids come home and they see something totally different. Yeah, hypocrisy. Yeah, and this is why a lot of people like you and other people yeah. that have walked away. This is a big movement within the church. Yeah, for sure. Man. It's this it's this double life, and that's this is why a lot of people that are atheists and that are not non religious they see this stuff and they're like, I don't want nothing to do with God or Christianity because. You see all this fake stuff, yeah. and it's very relatable. So yeah. you are growing up in this thing, but you you truly did want a relationship. You had no problem with Jesus, but you had yeah, a problem I had no with problem with Jesus, man. Followers. But I, I probably outside of my mom, who, like I said, I believe had a had a genuine faith as much as she struggled at times, and um, yeah. I made some some bad decisions. I think they were always with the right intentions. Yeah. Um, but I struggled when I looked around to see anyone who represented Jesus the way that I thought. You know, yeah. from what I saw in the Bible and, you know, the stories I knew growing up. Yeah. You go, man, I don't, everyone who, who who represents Jesus is is jacked up. Like, I don't see Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, there was a few exceptions here and there, of course. I met some, some yeah. beautiful people here and there, but maybe they, you know, they weren't people that I really journeyed with long term. And so for the most part, I just felt like, man, this, what is this thing? What is and, it? Yeah. Um, so by high school, I was just doing my thing. I loved skateboarding. I loved mm-hmm. punk rock music. Um, and that's 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 kind of what I did, um, you know. With I had a good group of mates, um, but but because of what I'd seen and and those different situations, I was just I was so angry. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was always a, a nice kid, like I think you know I didn't mm-hmm. really get in too much trouble at school, things like that. But but I had this anger inside me that yeah. meant that um, you know it got to a point where it didn't take much at all for me to you know fly off my head and. You know, and then as I got a bit older, I got a bit violent. Um, you know, there was a couple of instances where I smashed windscreens mm-hmm. um, when kind of road raging so those and are, uh, things like that. What are they called? Windshields, yeah? Oh, windshields, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bit of glass in front of you when you're driving. That's a lot different uh, than actually a screen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, there was a couple of times where I just got in situations where, where that happened. And, yeah. um, and there was a particular moment, I think it was about 16, and... Uh, my mum and I had gotten into it. Uh, we, were, we were fighting, and, and I remember I, I kind of pushed her. Mm-hmm. I pushed her up, you know. And she kind of stumbled back, and I remember went to my room, and I was so gutted because I realised that I'd become the very thing that I hated. Yeah, that hatred. Had, I, you know, I'd made so many vows. I would never be that. I would never do that. I would never treat someone like that. I would never, you know, hurt a woman or whatever. And 
Um, and in that moment, I'm like, I'm exactly like these dudes that I hate. Yeah. And um, and and that was a real significant moment because you kind of look and you go, hang on a second, like I spent my life not wanting to be these things, and, and now here you are. Yeah. And here I am, and it's uncontrollable. Yeah. You know, it was like this this rage. Yeah. Um, yep. I know that. I've I've, <laughs> I've witnessed that myself. Yeah. So it was around that same time, man. It was a that's little, actually pretty scary. Yeah, when stuff like that scary, happens, man. you all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, do you, you you get scared and you're like, whoa, I'm I'm I've kind of turned into a, a crazy man, yeah, you know, monster in yeah. a sense, yeah, yep. And I had times when, you know, as I got older, late teens, early twenties, where my girlfriends, even even Casey, when we were dating, and by this time I was a Christian, I'll get to that, but yeah, would look at me and be like, you're scaring me, yeah, and you'd see the fear in their face, and it's yeah. like. Man, I don't want to be that. Like I grew up fearing going home so much, you know, yeah. like not feeling safe in your own home, and and then to think that I was then potentially perpetuating mm-hmm. that uh, was uh, still even now it's, it's an emotional thing. It's like yeah, because I, I don't think that's my nature. No, I think my nature was all. I remember as a kid being the kind of pretty easygoing, gentle, kind kid. Like yeah. that was, um, and, I, and I think that's from my mum. But mm-hmm. but you know these things they. They have, a, they have a habit of grabbing a hold of you and not letting go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so much power in that and that and anger yeah. and rage. It, it could literally like – it could just take over you and you just like black out and it says all of a sudden you realize I just yelled at everyone yeah, and, man. you know, it's it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Okay, so you're dealing with this. You're dating yeah. – at this point, were you dating uh, your girl at that or your – No, not Casey, no. Okay. Just, you know, so how, just how, in high school different – How were relationships just, you know, like growing up? Were you uh, – were you like trying to just hook up with chicks or just try or just date? Yeah, a girl? I mean you don't really have a gauge on yeah. how to treat a woman. I've yeah. never seen that done well. And yeah. so you kind oh, of it's, yeah. a, it's a very selfish thing. Yep. What can you get out of it? Yeah. Um so I had a you know, I had a handful of girlfriends and mm. things who um, probably one in particular to this day I I still I still carry uh mm. some real sadness of how I how I treated her. Yeah. And um and it was even it was kind of early days of really exploring my faith, and yep. um, and I know I was just into that well, and so that's something that I I carried. I've given to God, a, you know, a bunch of times, but but it's there, you know. It's like man, yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's a daughter of, of God, and um and and at that point, I felt like I was starting to know better, you know, and I mm-hmm. started and and yet that the anger and the the things that had me all tied up, you know, definitely uh, affected her. So. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were uh, in school, did you get involved with like drinking and drugs or anything like that? Or yeah, just so more... I, used to just, I used to party. Just a little um, bit here and there. Yeah, yeah, I used to party like, you know, like drinking, weed, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, there was definitely people who partied harder. Um, yeah. that, definitely towards uh, kind of probably 16, 17, that definitely sort of ramped up as you try and, I guess you start, start stepping into that numbing. Mm-hmm. You know, you start just trying to push things away. Mm-hmm. About how you feel about yourself, um, how you feel about your family. So you, you push those things away through, through lots of different things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a huge culture in Australia, um, as it is here. Like it's, um, you know, if you're not, unless you're kind of following after Jesus hard, like you're, mm-hmm. you're partying pretty hard in high school. So, you know, so. with with uh, the Australian culture, so how how do you see different or similar to what we have going on? here because you're you're a young kid you're obviously getting i mean because when i go to australia it's like you guys you're you're you know you guys are the aussies down south but then you got this like uk influence then you got this american um influence 
You know, but you obviously have your own culture the as coin, well. The coin, man. The coin. Yeah. The majesty. <laughs> <laughs> you got the sub. You know, you got that subculture uh, yeah. influence, man. Um, and Aussies are crazy. I love. I love hanging out the Aussies. Yeah, yeah. You guys are definitely wild. Yeah. I'd say the the influence of the US is is way bigger than the UK. Okay, um, I think that's very token. I mean, we're still part of the Commonwealth, but yeah. the average kid probably wouldn't even know or care about that. Yeah. Um. So you know, culture is very much driven. You know, by where we are here in, in LA. You yeah. Know, like it's yeah. uh, that's a huge influence. Right. Um. So, but the big difference is we don't have the cultural Christianity. Yes. Um. So I think that I think that dipped out probably with my parents generation mm-hmm. um that sort of age group seemed to largely move move away on mass from the church mm-hmm. um and uh and then a lot of people my age and younger probably you know mid mid 40s and younger mm-hmm. i'd say so even older than me um wouldn't have much of a gauge at all of church or, or jesus outside of the the media which mm-hmm. which doesn't paint the doesn't picture paint a picture well. no at all um so a lot of people have the perception that, you know, obviously Hillsong comes from Australia. So there's a lot of huge, thriving churches. And it's not like that. No, it's not like that. I mean, they're an anomaly and they've, they've done an amazing ministry in Australia. But mo- most churches in Australia are, would be struggling. And, uh, yeah, there's not the – yeah. Okay. So, so here you are. You're, you're growing up and it's not, like, uh, it's not like America as far as, like, you know, we're, we're built on a Christian – uh, country and all that stuff, which doesn't really mean anything at this. Yeah. I think it was technically built on Christian values, as everything seemed to be back then. But yeah, yeah, but that was long. They didn't seem long. to. Yeah, I mean, so, it was a criminal. It was a convict colony. Yes, Australia started as a big prison, you know. So yes, uh, that that says a bit about just the attitude and the uh, yeah, the way that people approach any sort of authority or any sort of system that would say, "Hey, you need to live a certain way." That's true. Um, so that's, that's still true. very strong in our culture. Yep, for sure. So then for you, here you are, you're trying to, you, ha- you, you want to find God, but you're struggling on all these other things that are going on. So you don't really have Christian people around you, right? At no, this definitely point? not by that, by that point, no. So how does, how'd you end up finding, um, coming to realization that you need God in your life? You're not surrounded by people. What was that? What, what were the, the things that led up to this, this moment, I guess? Uh, I, th- I think it happened just by God's. God's provision, man. So I remember we were down the, uh, down the local shops mm. in our neighbourhood. We were waiting to get picked up to go to a party. Mm. I would have been at 17. And uh, we had our skateboards and, and a girl who, I, who I'd gone to school with for a little bit, uh, but then she'd moved on to a Christian school um, who we all thought was, you know, hot, as you do yeah. when you're 17. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> she, she walked up to us, we were chatting, and she said, oh, is it, we've got a, a skate night going on. At our church, um, would you guys mind coming and like judging it, helping us judge it, and you know? And uh, we kind of had a bit of downtime, so we went over um, to this church, and actually, uh, yeah, on mass met a group of people who represented how I always thought Jesus was. Like that night, I remember with no no intention of pursuing God or going to church yeah. or anything. In fact pretty much making the decision I would never go to, go to church again. Going into this place and just meeting guys my age, a bit older, who just loved Jesus and, and, and didn't just talk about it, but they were skateboarding, they were hanging out, they yeah. loved, you know, punk rock, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had band nights there as well. Um, so my band ended up playing at some band nights there. Sick. And um, actually Sid Tapia 
that you've had on the show. He yeah. was speaking that first night. He um, was. He shared his story. So, did you um, tell him that when you, when you saw him? Yeah, yeah, I've told him that. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. So, um, that's sick. But yeah, so we uh, over a period of time, I just started hanging out with these these people who were, who were different um, and who had a sense of hope and a sense of life, and you know, and they weren't afraid of my story and my mess. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember the next night, actually, I went to church there. And uh, which, so why would you go? Okay, so why would you go back to church there? You just because you felt loved. You just people, felt like these yeah, guys are like my, these yeah. guys are down to earth. They're like in the same stuff I'm into. Yeah, exactly. Man. Just felt like a zero judgment, man. It wasn't like get yourself sorted then come to church. It yeah. was like, man, just come, come as you are. You know. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, That's what it's about. Both Jesus yeah. and Kurt Cobain put so That's perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's but um, yeah, and so I just felt like. I wasn't being judged. I wasn't kind of being told to scrub up or, you know, and I was angry, man. Like, and that was obvious. Like by that time I was, I was, I was pretty angry. And, um, and so, yeah, started that journey, man, of, I'd say it was over six months probably of, of coming to a, a saving realization of who Jesus was. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about this because there's, a, there's people that are listening right now that, um, don't even have a relationship with God. Yeah, man. Um, there's people that have just given their life to him, just said, hey, Jesus, come into my life. And they're like, okay, now what, dude? I'm angry. Yeah. I am hooked on porn. You know, Time Magazine yeah. just came out with a whole yeah, yeah. A huge article about pornography. Yeah. Um, look up, look it up, um, the effects of it. Uh, there's people that are, uh, you know, coming out of bad relationships, drugs, alcohol, bitterness, anger, hate the church, yeah, hate Christians, yeah. you know, there's a, I mean, this is on you know radio shows. I mean, anyone could be listening. Yeah. But maybe they're asking themselves, well, h- how does it even work? What's the f- process? How did you know? How do I give my life to God? And and should I expect um, everything to be okay overnight? Yeah. Obviously, nothing's gonna be no. okay overnight. No. Well, the only thing that's gonna be okay is you're gonna give your life to Jesus. You're gonna be forgiven of your sins, and you're gonna have eternal life. That's what's yeah. gonna happen immediately. For sure. Man. But what is the process? Tell them what the process. With someone like you, yeah. how how you got to where you're at now? Yeah, um, I think I think the first bit for me was stopping blaming everyone else. Okay, so I was in this place and I was you know ticked off at the world, ticked off at my family. Um, by the time I left home at 18, I'd lived in I think it was 27 or 28 different places, refuges, government housing, all that sort yeah. of stuff. So you know I'd been kind of moved around and it was just messy, man. And yeah, and there were so many things I could kind of hang my hat on and say, but that them they yep. you know he did this she said that um there was all sorts of things said to me done to me situations i found myself in that um but at the end of the day i came to this place was like hang on that's that's only ever going to hold me back right and so until i can stop and look regardless of of what's happened to me or what's been done to me until i can just stop me and god yeah and go i recognize that i'm broken that i've sinned uh, that I've made decisions that have that have um, that have hurt God, that have hurt people, and you know, you ask anyone in, in prison today, they're they're all there because someone at some point hurt them first. Yeah. But the problem is, we never take responsibility for that. Right. We never go, hey, hey, it stops with me. Right. You know, generations of brokenness and whatever, it stops with me. Because you could basically live your whole life being the victim, and just be yeah. like, and just like oh, you know, this, this, and this yeah, is the way right. I you am. Know, and there, yeah. There's no change. That's right. Even though, just to be clear things do happen to people and it's not their fault no, you know 100%. but this is why we either believe that god is real and he can change our lives yeah. 
and he's in the business of of, of getting people that are really messed up yeah. and transforming them. Yeah, that's right. And we have to believe that. So yeah, here, yeah. yeah. So the first thing was yeah taking responsibility and going. I've seen you know Romans says well we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory standard. Yeah. You know without all that kind of good Christian words around it, it yeah. was a thing of going man I'm, I'm messed up, messed up. and uh, and I need I can't do this on my own and you know so I started to get into the word and you know there was a couple of key moments uh, where I remember I get really angry and and then I'd I'd read I'd be reading Philippians and I'd come across Philippians four six which says you know be anxious about nothing and you know pray about everything and you'll experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding and it will fill your heart and mind. And I had experiences of that as I read the word and I saw that kind of um, my story connected with God's story mm-hmm. um, until, yeah, remember there just came a time. And again, it was over six months where I was just like, man, I'm, I'm all in on this. You so know, it like, was like, so the, you were cussing a lot. When, when did you like lose a cussing? Um, did it kind of just fade out? Like one day you yeah, just- I'd say it kind of faded out. I remember making a few times a few decisions at different times. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And you kind of go well for a week or something and then you get stuck. Yeah, but there's like a habit. slow but process though that God it, does. Man. There's a slow, you know, that slow kind of restoration yeah. or sanctification, yep. whatever it is, which, which happens from now until eternity. Yeah. It's, it's you know, ongoing. It's like, yep. You know, I'm a pastor now and man, it's still, it's a daily thing. You exactly. Know, the, the, sanct- the, the process of sanctification. So, so what about how, how, what about the bitterness and the anger and the rage and all that? How, how was that process? Cause yeah. a lot of people deal with that. Yeah. So that hung around a lot longer, man. Hey, we're uh, all guilty, right? Yeah, yeah. I get pissed sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so 80, 18 yeah. uh, would have been when I – 17, 18 would have been when I made a, a, you know, a solid decision. So I'm going after, after, after Jesus. But, um, man, I remember sitting down with my pastor when I was probably 21. Yeah. And going, man, like I'm angry all the time. Yeah. And I just can't shake this thing. And, and I've just begun to really share with guys – be kept accountable to that. They would be praying for me. Did prayer ministry. Um, around that time, I started dating Casey, who's now my wife. Yeah. And you know, even in there, she was saying to me, "Man, you're you're scaring me." You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and over time, I can say that you know it's been over ten years since I've you know flown off flown off my head in anger. And yeah. previously, it was multiple times a week. Right, you know, and and God's done that. And it's, it's, it's just like the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And and being in the Word every day, so allowing okay. allowing His Word um, to become part of my story, not just something that I do, yeah. you know, every now and then, but actually allow absorb the words of God, so that when you're in situations, you know, going through your day in situations where, man, that would normally set me off. It's like, man, hang on. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and one of the most profound images for me that has really always captured my heart was when Jesus hung on the cross, okay. and he said, "Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing." And I remember when I when I first really explored that, and I was like, "Man, that leaves me without without any excuse." And that took me on a, a further journey with my 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 dad in, in, as well, which I'll oh share. yeah, right. But um, you just go, man. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of injustice. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of things. Even you know, as a pastor, people say things about you. People misunderstand you. Every week, you got hundreds of people judging every word you say when mm-hmm. you preach or whatever, man. And, yep. um, but you just got to keep going back to that, man. Like uh, I know who I am in God, and mm-hmm. um, and I genuinely have lived in that peace that goes beyond all understanding. And and the crazy thing when Paul wrote that in the Bible, like he was he was strapped to a wall in a prison, like right. chained to a wall. Yep. Like he wasn't sitting in a palace, you know, living the good life. He nope. was potentially facing execution. But yet he's telling this this church, man, just trust God. Yeah, and mm-hmm. his peace will fill your heart and mind. So that was what he was living. 
even though he was inju- unjustly imprisoned. And, and so we're, we're all, you know. So, yeah, God just – God did that work over a period of time. And, you know, I still had a lot of fear around being a father, being a husband. I was just like, man, I could never do that. You know, mm-hmm. like I've never seen that done well. I don't know how to do that. Um, that used to scare the – and God does it through the Word of God. I want to just t- let the listeners know, you know, maybe you're listening right now and you're, you know, you're in the same situation as, as where he was. The key is to press into God. Seek him, you will find him. you got to get the Word of God, the Bible, yeah. and read it because it's God's voice. We've talked about this so many times on the show is that it's literally it's, – it's not you just read it one time and that's it. you got to read it continually. Yeah. And then God brings those scriptures – to your mind, when you're going through a tough time, this, this scripture will come back because it's the word of God. It's his voice. It'll, you'll, you'll remember it because the Holy Spirit brings it back to remembrance and he'll speak to you in those moments. And the more you press in, the more you read, the deeper you, you learn about God, you become like Christ. And that's through the person of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're dealing with anger and you're like, man, I've been going to church for five years and I still got anger and I still got all these issues. And then I would ask yourself, well, are you reading the Bible? And you probably say no. And there's so many times yeah. when I talk to people, Phil, and I'm just like, hey, they're like, I'm struggling with this and this. And I go, I go, do you, do you read your Bible? And they're like, no. And I'm like, dude, that's the key. It's the word of God. That's what transforms us. That's the only thing that will transform us. And people go, oh, God's not speaking to me. That's the other thing. Well, God doesn't speak to me. He's not speaking to me. I'm not hearing from God. I don't know what to do. And it's like, man, are you in the Word? Oh, man, sometimes, you know, it's, yeah. I don't have time for that, man. It's like, well, they don't have time. You know, that's how he's going to speak to you, man. This is the key. Yeah. Okay, so, so God starts doing that sanctification process is what we call it, the transforming. Yeah. Uh, he makes you a new creation in Christ. And then, so now you're dating your girl at this time, right, Casey, at this time? Yeah, yeah, early 20s. So how did, how did, uh, so how'd that transform? Because... You're, you grew up in a uh, situation where you didn't have a father around. Now mm. you're looking at your girl like maybe getting married. Yeah. This is a big deal yeah, man. to do. How, how, would, uh, how did that all work out? Man, it was uh, – how did it all work out? Well, it's worked out. We've been married over <laughs> 10 years now. <laughs> but, uh, man, I was so scared. I was so scared of getting it wrong. I knew. I mean, you know, when you met Crystal, it's like, man, I'm, I don't want to mess this thing up. You just okay. know. You let's know. T- let's talk about that yeah. about not messing it up and like Christian dating. Yeah, yeah. As well, yeah. like how yeah, how yeah. it all works because people don't know yeah. how to do that either. Yeah, man. I talk. I, and your wife I, is beautiful, by the way. She is. Yes. She's my favorite person yes. in the world. Um, I talk about three things with people, and, and I'll probably go from this perspective now because I think even then I wasn't. I didn't have all my my stuff together. And I was figuring it out, but yeah. But when I, when I counsel people now as they're figuring out relationships and dating, I talk about three things. I talk about, I call it the litmus test for a relationship. Mm-hmm. I talk about, do they bring you closer to God? Mm-hmm. Do they bring you closer to the call of God on your life? And do they bring you closer to the people that matter? So your family or, you know, people who love you. And are, okay. And so for me, those three things in a dating relationship. So someone who's bringing you closer to God, man, you guys are, you guys are honoring each other. Uh, physically, you're recognizing God's God's call on your life uh, and and God's uh, design for sex and relationships, and that that's you know f- between one man and one woman for life in the context of marriage. Right. You know. So yeah. And and you know, I always say to young guys in particular, I go, man, you you that that is someone that is a daughter of God who's called by God. You better make sure that wh- wherever this relationship goes, that they are closer to God because of it and that they are more sure of who they are in God and where God's leading them because of it. Um, because otherwise, 
yeah, otherwise we're just we're just messing with people's hearts and lives, yeah. and and so that's been really helpful as I've walked with other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For myself, man, like yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't do everything perfect, but but we because Casey didn't come from a Christian family. Okay, cool. Um, so we 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 both had kind of come to faith within a few years of getting together, and and, and so we were figuring it out, man. But, yeah. But definitely. But, 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 but this is encouraging though, because there's people right now that are in that same situation. Yeah. Yeah. There's God's grace. Yeah. His mercy. For sure. What were some pointers? What would be some pointers of those people that were maybe in your situation? You just came to faith. You're dating. Yeah. And you're trying to do it right. What would you encourage them with? Man, I would say, what does it look like for you to to get up tomorrow and honor them? What does it look like every moment to honor them? To honor God's call in their life? Yeah. To to uh, you know, it's about the people you have around you. Mm-hmm. So it's about making sure you got you got. You know, people who are accountable, um, people who, who love you and who love Jesus. So they're the people you got to have around you, man. You know they love you and you know they love Jesus because they're going to they're gonna challenge you and encourage you. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have people that you're honest with. Uh, you've got to be, you know, one of the greatest joys uh, in a relationship is, is opening the word together, praying together. And, and the rhythms that you put in place when you're dating are the rhythms that ultimately are probably going to be in place when you're married. So if you're not valuing the word of God in your relationship now when you're dating, then um, you're probably not going to honor it when you're married. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other big thing around purity is what I tell people is purity isn't something that isn't about I'm not going to have sex, I'm not going to have sex, I'm not going to have sex until I get married, you know, holding on, holding on, holding on. Purity is my commitment to purity is just the same now as it was when I was dating Casey, uh, as is yours. um, Because... Well, when I was dating Casey, it was like, okay, I want to honor Casey. Well, my commitment to purity is still, I want to honor Casey. Right. So we've talked about porn. Yep. You know, to- More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say, what do you do? Now, back to live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. Loud noises! His desires become our desires. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and so that's, that's just been a big part of figuring it all out. So it's, now I know you're married, you have kids. Um, I do, we still have another, you know, we still have plenty of time to talk, but was there um, something that happened with your dad? Did you ever reconnect? Or? Yeah, so... There was a couple of times as a kid uh, when, you know, he would say he was going to come visit. I remember, I think it was my fourth birthday. My mom said, you know, your dad's going to come and you're going to meet him you know, yeah. on your birthday. And I remember being super excited about that. And then, you know, the night before or something, mom got the phone call. I uh, can't make it. Um, and, you know, that just, that wrecks you, you know. Yeah. That's probably where that anger first starts. You're like, yeah. you know what? Um, and just that rejection from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, from birth. It's like, hang on, there's something... You know. So anyway, um, so over the years, uh, real though. I think real. I think when we were fifteen, I met him. Um, my sister and I tracked him down, maybe fourteen. Um, connected with him a couple of times, really casual, just over a meal or whatever. There wasn't really any sort of desire on his behalf to to really connect. Um, even my sister had a had a they, they didn't have a perfect relationship, but but you know they connected a lot more. Uh, maybe it was because he knew her when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was part of the journey as well. Like that, that would often and still does at times impact how I see God because I'd see my my dad love my sister and he added some other younger kids, 
but that wasn't extended to me. And so sometimes with God, I've had to process the, you know, yeah, I get that God loves everyone. Yeah. But uh, maybe not me. You mm. know, and that's been a big part of my journey. And I, keep, yeah. I have to take that, take, that, take that to the cross all the time. Yeah. Even as a pastor, there's times yeah. I'll preach something and I'm like, man, I believe this for every single person out there. But not me. But I'm struggling to land it for me. Yeah. And so that's, that's been a big part, of, big part of my walk with God. Um, when my sister got married, she got married quite young. He walked her down the aisle, did a speech, all that. So, you know, that was cool for her. Um, and I remember when I got engaged to Casey, I reached out to him, sent him an invitation to the wedding. And uh, this was probably, yeah, one of the most painful moments was he actually sent me a letter. And I just remember one sentence from it. And he said, if I came to your wedding, it would be out of obligation, not affection. Um, and uh, so he didn't come. Damn. Um, and that, that broke me, man, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, this idea that you know, I'm a man now, we can stand shoulder to shoulder, I'm starting my own family. Um, the other thing I'd done was I'd had several different last names growing up, mm. you know, just my mum's maiden name, one of the guys she married, I took his name at different times. But when I was 18, I actually took on Evans, which was my dad's name, but I'd never used it in my life. Right. But I was like, that's my rightful name. I'm going to start something. You know, I'm going to start something new. Yeah. Um, yep. Something of, of significance, you know. So, but even that, I was never never acknowledged or, you know. And so he wrote that letter to me out of obligation, not affection. And, um, and how, you know, how old were you at this point? I got married at 23, so I would have been around 23. Okay. Yeah, you're still young at that point. Um, so, man, I got married and, um, you know, going along in 2012, got a phone call. Uh, from my sister saying that he was uh, dying of pancreatic cancer. He only had a few days to live. And I wrestled with it. First reaction, honestly, was uh, good. You know? Yeah, uh, I was going to say. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that. I think the first, that image of Jesus on the cross again, which seems to just haunt me in a good yeah, way. Yeah. You know, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, yeah. by that point, I was a mature Christian. I was in full-time ministry. And I was like, hang on, man, like, I don't have... I don't have the right to, to not go and to not pray with him and to minister to him. And so I drove but a couple of hours. But the devil's there at the same oh, time. Sure. Saying, I didn't want to do it, man. The devil's always there. See, yeah. you guys, this is the deal. You always have God working and you have the devil always trying to, yeah, to sure. cause a ruckus. Say, no, look what he did to you. Yeah. Why would you even do this? Yeah. Why would you go see him and put all these crazy thoughts in your head? Just like he always does. He likes to play mind games, the enemy. Yeah. But then you went to the cross and you're like, yeah. Father, forgive them yeah. to the verse. Yeah. And my sister, man, she's crazy. No, nah, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted, to, I wanted to be with my sister as well. You know, yeah. there, was a, there was a kind of, hang on, this means a lot to her. And yeah. It meant a lot for It was hard for her to be there, you know. So, yeah. so I went, did the two hours, ended up spending the last five or six days of his life there. Um, wow. So we stayed there, um, basically at the hospital 24-7. His other kids were there. He's, you know, at one point he had a photo with, like, my mum and, like, three other <laughs> three other girlfriends is weird uh but that was hard again because he had these moments with each of my sister and then his other younger kids where they kind of sat on the bed and he'd tell him he loved them and this and that he's proud of them and and none of that came my way yeah, like none have, none of it dude this story um, is gnarly. so I hear so again at 20 or was it, 27 or whatever then you're just hurting you're going yeah. all of a sudden that that anger and that starts rising starts up again up. and yeah i remember when he died like my, my wife, Casey, and I went into the room. We were just in there with him, just just us. And I remember just sobbing, man. And it wasn't because I was losing someone who was in my life. You know, yeah. most grief is because, man, this someone's in my life. But I think I was grieving the loss of any hope. 
of yeah. ever having a conversation, you know, ever, of ever hearing I love you, son, or you know, having yeah. a relationship with my dad. Um, now, I prayed for him. He didn't want me to pray for him or anything while he was conscious. Once he was unconscious, I read some psalms. I prayed over him and, you know, believe that God can, can do powerful things in, yes. that, in that space. But um, And then, uh, so that was big, man. And and, and, and it, was, it was encouraging as well because I realized that's how, that's how far God had brought me. You know, like literally at one point I would have been, I would have just been glad that he was dead, you know. Yeah. But all of a sudden it was like, man, now this, there's a grief there and... Um, and then when I had my first son in 2014, I remember turning to my wife. His name's Abel. I've got three kids, Abel, Finn, and Willow. They're, they're awesome. Um, but I remember sitting in the hospital. He was about 24 hours old. I was holding him. And I looked at my wife. Sorry. And I said, um, you know, this, this kid's 24 hours old and I've spoken to him more than my dad did, you know, in the 26 years or whatever he was alive for me you know I told my kid a thousand times already I loved him and mm-hmm. and again like that brought up a lot of you hold your own kid and you go how could you walk away from that yeah. and I was like what's wrong with me and you just go back into that place of going man something must be something jacked up about me man because mm-hmm. why would you I could never walk away from my kid yeah. um, and so again I had to go back to Jesus I had to go back to people who I knew loved me and loved Jesus and go I'm, I'm struggling yeah. there was some anger that crept back in um, so much identity stuff mm-hmm. um, and just like, again, yeah, this is for everyone else but not for me. Um, how do I be a father? I've never seen it. And just so fortunate to have, you know, when I when I first connected in the church, I was uh, I was living out of my car and people took me in and they showed me family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like poured into my life and, you know, so over time I realised, man, I've seen this. Yeah. I didn't see it in my house. But I saw it in God's house, man, time and time again. And, and, you know, there's something special when someone actually says, hey, I want you to come into my home. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was a few people who did that over the years before I I got married and stuff. And I'm so grateful for that, man. Dude. Um, So. Well, listen, there's there's, just in California, there's 50% of students come from broken homes. You know, I think David, we were, t- we were at lunch you know, earlier today, he was, he was quoting Barna Group that says that this is the fatherless generation. And yep. this is, a, this is a, a worldwide thing. And that's why this story is so powerful because, <laughs> I mean, you're going to think about 50% of the students that are going to listen to this are going to relate to this. Same thing, just gone. And they never even well, may never even meet their yeah. father or have any encounter. And then they have this, this stuff that's going on. And what I've learned so much from this story is that as you just keep going back to the cross, you keep mm-hmm. going back to Jesus. And here you are, you're, you're older, you're a pastor of a church, and still you have to keep going back to Jesus because mm-hmm. these, things, these things keep coming up. It's like a, it's a life process of, of sanctification. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you just you just come to Jesus and it's just all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah. Once once things changes, your eternal destiny changes immediately yeah, from right. heaven to hell. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. From, <laughs> <laughs> from hell to heaven, eternal life. You receive eternal life immediately. Yeah. But then this, this process because life is a bunch of twists and turns, ups yeah. and downs. But Jesus is the same yesterday, yeah. today, and forever. He's always there, and he's always um, – he never changes. He never ca- casts a shifting shadow. You know, he's always the same. Yeah. And you got to keep running back to him always. And 
when those anger, that bitterness, resentment, um, pain from the stuff that have been in your past, you know, there's, there's, there's people that have been molested. Mm. You know, there's all kinds of different things that happen to people's lives and you keep heading back to Jesus and he keeps showing up mm. over and over and he keeps getting you through, through these, yeah. these moments. And, um, and what I've got to remember is yeah. the enemy, Satan, yes. he's not smart, man. So what I found, and I'm not like super old like you. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but what I've found is, you know, even at 33 years old, he's still hitting me on the same stuff he hit me at, on that, my fourth birthday when, when my dad young. didn't show up. Yeah. He's got nothing new for me, man. And so we've got to open our eyes to the, the things in our life that Satan's going to use to, to pull us away. Yep. And it might be, you know, addiction, it might be relationships, it might be identity stuff. But Satan's gonna keep hitting that same spot. And so and that's where like even even Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert, I think it's the Gospel of Luke finishes and he says and he and, 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 and Satan left until he had another opportunity. And you know, there's Satan's looking for opportunities to tempt us away from God. Yep. To to turn it for us to turn our back on the cross. But more often than not, it's in the same area over and over and over again. Man, my daddy issues, that's where it lands every, every time. time yeah. You know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I wake up on a Sunday morning before I go to preach and I'm feeling like rubbish, yeah. it's normally because a daddy is something yeah. to associate with yeah. that. I feel like I'm failing as a father or a husband. And then I go, oh, but yeah, was I ever meant to succeed in this? Or whatever it is. Yeah. It's the same thing, same thing. Oh, I'm not good enough or... This is for everyone else, but not for me, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be so aware of it, man, and keep keep giving that to God. I go, no, that's not who I am. You know, that's not who God made me to be. So, so. it's it's because it, well, it says that he, Satan studies us. Yeah, and he already knows. He already he knows, knows the chinks he, in our armor. He, he knows our yeah. He knows our yeah. he knows our weak spots. So yeah, you know, I told my wife, um, you know, because I was like, yeah, well, uh, sex, girls, you know, anything in the, in that nature is like was one of my weaknesses. Yeah. I, I lived for, for that stuff. So then all of a sudden I become a Christian and I'm like, you know, didn't sleep with a girl, didn't do anything, you know, no porn, no nothing for like five years or something like that. And then I meet Crystal and I'm like, I'm like, I'm strong. I'm so strong. I haven't made out with a girl. I haven't watched porn, you know, haven't slept with a girl. I'm so strong in this area. And then I meet my wife yeah. And also, so basically, you you're gonna meet your girl, and I'm just like, who does? I'm, who I'm, does, str- who does? <laughs> I'm like, I'm strong, but then I'm all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, yeah. dude, I'm totally weak. Like this, yeah. you know, I'm all of a sudden my my body appetites come alive, yeah. and Satan knows, and this is why you have to have those boundaries yeah. because he knows. Oh, I could take Ryan out easy. Sure. I'll take him out with this, this, and this. So you have to come up yeah. with these boundaries because it's those the same thing that I've been struggling with since I was young. Because I got into pornography and stuff at a young age, so sex has always been this this major drive in my life. Yeah. He knows. So how is he always going to come and get me? Through those things. Yeah. He's going to try to – that's why you have to have those, those – it's so funny that you said that. And yours is you got the daddy issues, which is a common a common. Which threat. overflows into – weirdly into sex and stuff because you don't know who you are. So you try and find that. Yes. You try and find that sense of identity and purpose. Well, and That's why the, a lot know. of these girls go out and they give yeah. their – that's funny that you said that because yeah. these girls – a lot of girls go out and give themselves to all yeah, these guys because the daddy is just, so they're just sleeping around, yeah. think that they're going to find love yeah. through these situations. And for a young guy brought up with a mom and a sister, I've now got, I've got a, a little brother, Josh, who's 10 years younger than me yeah. as well. But in those early years, is my mom and my sister. And there's a party that wants to feel like a man. 
You know, yeah. I never knew how to climb. I never. No one taught me how to climb a tree. No yeah. one taught me how to kick a football. No one taught me how to fish or shoot or, or whatever. Right. You know, like even now there's stuff. I said to Case just before I, I came came travelling, I said, I get worried sometimes that my boys are going to get to an age where I've got nothing left to give them because I, I, there's just mm. basic, you know, mm. you saw my house in Australia and I was doing this big renovation, yeah. man. I don't do any of that myself. <laughs> you got no idea. I'm like, hey. man, I'll swing this hammer the wrong way. I'm going to do it, all sorts it, it, of it damage. Came, it came out really nice. <laughs> Thanks, man. But, but nothing because of me. <laughs> I, hey. I'm the same way, though. Yeah, yeah. You know nothing about that but, stuff. <laughs> but you spend a lot of time going, okay, what's going to make me yeah. feel, you know, feel like a man? Yeah. Um, because I, I haven't had that model to me, and you get it through media and, and yeah. everything, and there's a certain image, and obviously that involves the way you treat girls, and that involves mm-hmm. you know, fighting, and that involves you know, that, that, that physical image of, um, of projecting something. And, yeah, uh, and you got to go. You know what? Well, I don't give a stuff what what people think of me. Mm-mm. You know, I care what God thinks of me. Yep. Um, you know, your dad was saying that just this morning in, in a study in the staff meeting. He was saying that um, that we've got to if 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 any time we look at people for our approval or for our sense of purpose in ministry, we've mm-hmm. we've moved outside of what God's. You get your eyes on man. Yeah, yeah. And I think it says in the Bible. You know, like as soon as we're seeking the approval of people, we're no longer servants of Christ. I think mm-hmm. I think Paul says that. It's like that's pretty hardcore, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like man, and uh, and I know for me because of that rejection, I I had yeah, a think about it. you were looking for people yeah. pleasing at times because yeah. I go I don't want to I don't want this person to reject me, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'll, I'll soften something or I'll and I've got to you know in case he's great at, at reminding me of that go man don't worry, don't don't try and please them <laughs> yeah you know like that's that's not what you're here for that's not what God's called you to. So okay, so anyway, you got all that going on. So what yeah. what are you doing now for for ministry? Tell us about yeah. what's happening in, so what's, in Hawkesbury. What's what's cool is I ended up becoming the senior pastor of the church. Well, before that, you were a youth pastor. Thing. Yeah, so I was youth pastor, um, a chaplain in a high school in Australia. We we have uh, some government grants that allow us to have chaplains That's in dope. public public schools. Um, so I did that for a number of years. Was youth pastor, youth and young adults pastor, um, and. Uh, yeah, I was always wrestling with my sense of call. At one point, I was going to be a, a copper. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a rock star. has never worked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, nah, so uh, then about three years ago. Um, okay, well, here. Let's, let's definitely talk about call because a lot of people go, yeah. well, what am I going to do with my life? How did you know God called you this? Let's, let's run through this. Right. Um, so you want to be a copper? Yeah, so I was going to be a be a, be a copper. Uh, I was doing landscaping out of school. Yep. Um, was going to join the police force, uh, and the reason behind that was because I could see you being a cop. Uh, thanks, man. I think I think <laughs> I have a lot of friends uh, that, co- that are cops. Um, the reason behind it was because when I was a kid, we had different interactions with police at different times yeah. in our home and in different situations, and and I remember having both good and bad experiences, and I remember how much the good cops had an impact on me. Yeah. If there was a good cop, he was willing to sit down in a lounge and, and talk me through what was going on or, you know, give me a chance or whatever. That was always hugely significant. So that's kind of why I wanted to do it. When I finished school, I was like, maybe that's something I'll do. Um, end up blowing my knee out, playing sports. I couldn't couldn't go to the academy oh, for right, a while. Yeah. Um, was like, well, I'll go, go to Bible college, figure out why I believe what I believe, and then I'll go to the police when my legs healed up. Um, so I did a year of Bible college, ended up doing three years um, with a view of becoming a police chaplain one day. Finished Bible college, started the process to join the police force. Around the same time, our youth pastor 
uh, was moving on and, and the, the church offered me the job. Um, so I took it on for a year. I said, I'll take it on for a year. I'll raise someone up and then I'm going to the police force. Uh, but during that year, um, we, I was married uh, already and, and Casey, Casey already had a strong sense that this is what I was always meant to do. Got she, it. A ministry. She saw it. But uh, I was pretty far from that. But during that year, I, each year I try and read uh, a book called Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. If you haven't read it, it's definitely worth a read. Um, and I remember I wrapped that up for that year. I closed the chapter. I was sitting in our lounge room. It was late at night. Casey was in bed. I closed the book. And I just had this, this moment, this kind of conversation with God about why I wanted to be a, a police officer. And it was because I wanted to help people. I wanted yeah. to make a lasting difference. Mm-hmm. Then I just had this overwhelming sense that if I, that for me to help people without pointing them to Jesus would always make me feel like I was not quite where I needed to be. And that's not to say we got plenty of amazing men and women in our church who are police officers and that's a godly people. And that, that's, that's an important sense of Yeah, but of call. this is the call for, for you individually. For call, exactly. It was just like, I just had this, this, this overwhelming realization that I only wanted to help people if I could point them to eternity. Yeah. And so I remember I got in a bed, I woke Casey up and I said, um, I'm in. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm ministry. This is it. This is what I'm meant to do. And she was flawed because we were making plans on where she was going to live when I was uh-huh. going to the police academy. Yeah. She, you know, she was like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, we'll do that. But I think this is what you should be doing. But, you know, um, and from there, man, that would have been 2010, 2009, 2010, 2009, I think. Um, yeah, from there, man, it was just... It's just been an unfolding, unfolding story of, of God's faithfulness. Uh, in the mix of all that, I don't feel like I fit the mold. Um, I often feel, and that's one of the reasons why I connected with you, man. Yeah. When the Whosoever's first came along, it was like family. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, I remember I was talking to Sonny last year when he was in Australia, Sonny Sandoval, and the very first sermon I preached, I had no idea what to preach. And I was freaking out. And I'm going, man, all these guys who preach at our church, they're all, you know, so straight and, you know, they've got it going on and, and I'm going, man, I'm just a, a punk kid. I don't know what to say. And, and I actually used an interview that Sonny did with um, some shock jock over here where he talked about this guy talked to Sonny and said, you know, I've seen a lot of Christian bands come through, but yeah. what I see in you is a, the phrase was a, a message with a corresponding lifestyle. That's dope. Um, That's dope. And, uh, and so I used that. I spoke on integrity and I remember I used uh-huh. that and I was telling Sonny about that last year. Because uh, that was that was and that was before the whosoever's that would have been probably 2007 or 2006 or something, and uh, I remember just needing to find my tribe, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and and so that's why this has been such a huge blessing for me, man. Dude, to go, that's man, so there's, dope. there's freaks like me who are doing ministry, uh, you know, um, filthy fishermen, you know, yeah, just yeah. like it's just like the way I look at you know what we're doing, it's uh, we're just the common folks in the culture, and uh, we're not about the big bells and whistles and. All that stuff, we're just um, just with the common people trying to be there, walk alongside people that are going through uh, real people with real issues, yeah. and just seeing them come from you know desperate places in their life that that are looking for Jesus, and just seeing the transformation. Yeah. And uh, you know, I you know, you met my dad today, and you know, he told me he said, Ryan, always be simple, stay away from the money, stay away from the power, and stay away yeah. from the women. It's it's yeah. it's true. You just stay simple. Just with the people and uh, no bills and whistles, and, and it's it's relatable. And to be able to talk like what I love about what you did here today is you were just been talking about your struggles, and you you know you feel like oh, I'm not I don't feel like I'm uh, adequate for this for this job, mm. but that's 
no one does. Hmm. You know, and if you do, then you're, I don't know, man. You guess, guess you got it going on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't know, man. I look at read the disciples and, and read about them and everything that they went through. They, uh, you know, in this time that we're living in, people want to see the real thing. Mm. They don't want to just see lip service. They don't want to have this message packaged to them, presented. They want authenticity, mm. and they just want to see it, you living it out in your life. They want to know that, yeah, you go through struggles. Yes, you know, marriage is hard. You know, yes, raising a family is hard. Yes, preparing messages is hard. Yes, trying to walk this whole faith thing out. It gets difficult, yeah. but we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and God gets ordinary men and women. He does extraordinary things, yeah. and that is the uh, that's the pure the pure gospel. So, yeah, man. Um, so you're now you're the senior pastor. Yeah, yeah, man. So we're in the middle of a uh, three year vision at the moment uh, as a church around passion for God and people, pursuit of God and people, and the power of God through people. Um, so that's kind of what we're hanging our hat on, man. Just going, let's let's be people who pursue God with everything we got. Uh, who pursue people, not in a creepy stalk away, yeah. but who really yeah. just get into the mess, man. Um, yeah. I remember years ago you doing a message talking about the filthy Dorito in the bottom of the dip. And now that, oh, <laughs> yeah. And I've used that, man. I've used yeah. that because yeah. that's what it is, man. It's like literally swapping saliva. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what Jesus did and that's what he calls us to do, man. Get into people's stories and their mess. Um, I think we need increased passion yeah. um, and, and just see the power of God at work, man. That's what changes lives. Um, and so, man, we're just we're looking. So that goes through to the end of next year, and we're just. Uh, I'm just. I say to my church, church all the time, like I'm just not interested in playing church. Yeah. You know, um, I said it just here the other night. I said I, I say to my church, I drive three minutes from my house to my church, yeah. and I tell them I'm not. I'm not here to play church. I don't get up for that. And so I, I said it here on Friday night. I said I'd, I don't know how many <laughs> miles from home I am right now, but. I just I'm not interested in just tickling people's ears and uh-uh. um, so man we've t- we've taken some hits because um, you want, you want to give you want to give because when you give the truth the truth is what yeah. sets people free exactly you yeah. will know the truth and the truth yeah. will set you free Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life yeah. if you just give them feel good stuff they're gonna go home and they're gonna face the storm and they aren't gonna feel good very That's soon right, you got to give them the truth because it's only the word of God that will set us yeah. free and transform lives yeah. there's no power in anything yeah. else. So and, you what get I, hits. and what I love, yeah, we're taking some hits, and but just trusting God, man. Always. Um, but well, if you I don't love, get hits, then you're not doing it right. That's right. <laughs> what I love about our church is, and I said this, the first sermon I preached as senior pastor three years ago, I shared my story again because a lot of people have come. The church has grown heaps since then. And I'm like, I don't know how many people know my story. And so I shared it as if it was someone else's story. And then at the end I said, you know, that was me. 14 years ago I walked into this place angry, drunk, high, that is to, dope. At the end, you change and then, it. Yeah. And this is, and now today, I'm becoming the senior pastor of this church, and and I believe that's church. That should be what all our churches are doing. That's it. Yep. It's a story of grace. I mean, the amount of people in our church who know me, warts and all, who knew me in my worst times, they used to call me Goodwill Hunting because one minute I'd be all like, you know, mm-hmm. making good choices and smart, and then the next time we flying off the wall. Uh, but so I'm so grateful to be part of that faith community that that allowed me to grow into my calling and who now trust me as their pastor. And uh, so now I challenge, I go, who's the 16-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old punk yeah. kid who's causing his headaches, who just we don't understand, who, who God's actually raising up and they're going to be leading this place one day because we can't rest on that. That's my story. That's happened. Now we go again. And uh, I think well, that's dude, what we do, man. Thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, love you, man. Love you too, bro. Thank you. Peace. 
This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.